This is the Thursday, May 19th edition of the Daily Wager podcast. Got you covered with some NBA playoff action as well as the NHL playoffs and a little WNBA to round things out. Three times a week, the Right Time with Vimani Jones podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of the games. Plus, we have a community of friends, including Dominique Foxworth for Foxworth Fridays. That's the Right Time with Vimani Jones, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen, wherever you get your podcasts, and Wednesdays and Fridays, podcasts are also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Welcome to the Daily Wager Podcast, presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I'm Doug Kazarian, alongside Tyler Fulgham. Tyler, how are you, my man? Doing well. Just uh, watching first-round coverage of the PGA on ESPN+. Plus After a hot start for... Uh, Tiger and Jordan Spieth as well. They're kind of falling off, but Rory McIlroy is in cruise control early. Yeah, some of the big names atop the leaderboard. Obviously, Tiger, uh, certainly no bigger name in golf, even to this point of his career. Uh, we'll start in the NBA. I know you, you like the Celtics actually outright tonight. Yeah, I, I do think this is going to be a seven-game series. Uh, if I played a side, I, I would take the Celtics side. I think they can bounce back and win this game uh, and go back to Boston 1-1. But uh, I, I just feel like this is going to kind of be like that Boston-Milwaukee series where it goes seven games and we see teams win on the other team's floor. Um, but I really like uh, attacking the total even more than that side. Doug, we saw the first game open at 204, and a lot of people are anxious to play the under because of the defenses of these two teams. I kind of wanted to play the over, and as the series progresses, I think scoring can become more and more difficult as the defenses get familiar with the sets and legs get tired, that type of thing. So now that we have game two, three and a half points higher than what we saw in game one, I'm ready to uh, attack the under now. Um, I think a lot of people are looking at the over because game one flew over it. You know, there's a lot of foul calls and Boston didn't really play that well. But I do think if Boston is to win game two, like I am thinking happens, you know, 53 to 55 times out of 100 in this situation, they're going to do it on the strength of their defense. I don't know if they're going to even with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, out shoot out bomb out score a Miami team on Miami's home floor I think they can do that in Boston Boston but on Miami's home floor there's a really good strong solid team especially defensively and we saw that in the second half against Jason Tatum and the Celtics in game one so I think this is going to be a low scoring close game that Boston pulls out uh down at the wire and takes us back to uh, Boston tied up at one apiece but again even if uh, Miami wins this game. I think it's going to follow that similar script. Boss is going to make them earn it with their defense, and we know Miami can certainly play some defense. So I like going under 207 and a half. Okay. Uh, in terms of the side, um, I do lean Boston, but I only think one of the next two games is is must win for, yeah, I agree. for the Celtics. So, I mean, obviously if they go down 0-2, then they got to win game three. Um, but I like that side. I just, you know, a little nervous about the Horford situation. Uh their coach missing crack or missing media availability. I don't know what's the issue with the COVID. I don't know if there's going to be some late scratches tonight. I just can't get behind the Celtics. And obviously Miami's good. They're one seed for a reason. Uh, you know, there's just – it's sort of a coin flip situation. If I had to play it, I would play Boston plus the points. But I always like for much better situational play, like a desperate team versus a team that's comfortable up 2-0. So I'm actually hoping Miami at least wins the game so we can unload on Boston in game three. That's sort of my approach with the side here. 
Uh, as for the NHL playoffs, for those who caught Daily Wager yesterday, my best bet is the avalanche on the puck line. Obviously, Bennington's been really strong and went to overtime in game one. But I think at some point, there's just got to be some goals for Colorado to get past Bennington instead of hitting the post and all those shots on goals. Colorado just a far superior team than the Blues. Although St. Louis belongs in this series, don't get me wrong, but I have to lay the one and a half. Yeah, I completely understand that. I mean, Colorado absolutely dominated game one in terms of puck possession, in terms of shots on goal, scoring chances, uh, time in St. Louis's zone. Jordan Bennington was the best player on the ice. That's the only reason why the game went into overtime and was somewhat close, if not for Bennington. And the fact that Colorado, I think, hit four or five posts, you take that away and, and those posts turn into goals. I mean, they would have routed the Blues in game one. And they absolutely routed Nashville in round one. So uh, they, especially at home with their speed and skill, are just such a tough cover. The Blues, I think, can score uh, with Colorado because they have the number two power play. They scored a power play goal, I think, in every game they've played this postseason. That's seven straight. So if the Blues, if Colorado gets a little loose, pardon me, um, you know, as far as their discipline and takes a few dumb penalties, that could open the door for the Blues. Uh, but I do think playing Colorado on the puck line is smart. Um, my, my handicapping is maybe to go over the total of six and a half. I know we only saw three goals in game one and that fifth goal came in overtime. But again, we saw five posts from Colorado. So a little bit better uh, puck luck there. And maybe they have four or five goals in regulation. And again, the Blues, I think, are going to be a little more desperate and should probably own the puck a little bit more. They... Greg Wyshynski, Puck Daddy, told us this. Like, the Blues are one of the best face-off teams in the NFL, NHL, pardon me, and the Avalanche were one of the worst, 28th in the NHL. And that was not the way it played out in game one. The Avalanche uh, dominated at the circle and were able to control that puck and create those offensive opportunities. So if the Blues have some regression there, positive, and gain a little bit more control of the puck, maybe they can create some more scoring chances. Again, I mentioned what they do on the power play, but bottom line, this Colorado Avalanche offense um, – I think Jordan Bennington will be good, but I don't know if he can be any better than he was in game one. So some negative regression coming there. I'd probably play over six and a half in game two tonight. Okay. All right. So you expect some goals here, even though Bennington's been strong. WNBA, I don't love either of the games. I lean to the aces minus the big number of 11, 11 and a half. I just think the links are that bad. I know McBride came back, but they got the big wins. Back-to-back -back road games, although not back-to-back -back days. I, I, just, I think the aces can blow them off the court, especially with their potent offense. So I, I would lay the 11, 11 and a half. If you had to play something tonight on in on the hardwood in the WNBA, maybe after maybe a second half play after the heat game ends or something like that, if you need to bail out game or something along those lines. But uh, stay tuned. We'll have much more plays to, on tomorrow's podcast and uh, our next daily wager show is not until Monday. So obviously uh, the PGA championship coverage is dominating our airwaves. So that is why we are off until Monday. Good luck to everyone. And we'll see you back here tomorrow on the podcast. 